All right, take your Bibles and make your way to Mark 4. Mark 4, I had mercy on you last week. Didn't do the whole thing. I want to give you the rest of it today. Would you all agree with me that waiting is hard? I understand, and I guess, Sam, you'll find this out, that the unofficial motto of the Air Force is hurry up and wait. Um, we don't, waiting is difficult. I remember going home, graduating from Bible college in uh, mid-May and packing up all my stuff and going back to my parents' house for a month before I got married. That month was the longest two years of my life. <laughs> and mom said it was the shortest for her because I was waiting to get married. And I, and I thought about it later. I said, why didn't we plan the wedding for like the next weekend? Why weren't we married in May? That was a bad idea. <clears throat> but I thought, I, would, I thought that month would never get over. And then the day we got married, I think I've said this recently, my father-in-law, we were the third wedding of that same day. So we got pushed to the end. I don't think we started till six in the evening. That day was the longest day of my life. So we know about waiting. Um, some of us are, how many of you ever, uh, I know I'm headed there soon. I need to get on it. My son's already um, started. And I, when you start eating right and getting some exercise, right? Waiting is hard for the results, isn't it? doesn't happen overnight. Or you start working out, right? And you expect to look like Arnold the next morning. When instead, you know, you, you feel like George Burns. You can hardly, you're so, feel like you're so old, you can hardly move and everything hurts. Waiting's difficult. And the kingdom, as we're going to learn today, is much like this. The kingdom is like the slow, steady growth from micro to mighty. But it comes. It does come. Those, that month does go by. You do end up married. Then you blink and it's been 35 years and eight children later and now six grandkids. It's there, right? That thing that, that seemed like to take forever has, has exploded into a family tree that's getting ever larger. It does happen. And so I want you to join me today as we look at um, this growth from micro to mighty in the kingdom. And these are Jesus' own words, his own parables, as Mark unfolds them for us today. So uh, let me remind you where we were last week. I think there's there, the first two points we dealt with the, the parable of the lamp, and, uh, and that was the purpose principle, the purpose of light. Now, now in here, don't, don't forget what's already been said. He's just coming off the parable of the soils. So the seed here... Uh, is now expressed in a form of light, okay? Seed, the seed of the parable of the soils is now the light in the parable of the lamp. Jesus is the light. The word of God, the kingdom gospel that Jesus is proclaiming is the seed in the parable of the soils. <coughs> in the parable of the lamp, it's the light. It says the lamp is not lit and put under a bushel or under a bed, but on a lamp stand that it might give light to the whole house. And of course, the lampstand was not just a, an elevated position, but also had some type of reflective material on the back, and it, it took that light and expanded it. And of course, that's a nod to you and I, isn't it? Jesus is the light, and as we reflect him, uh, it, the light of the gospel gets expanded, and here's the seed again, broadcast everywhere, right? 
That's why, and I didn't mention this last week, but when you go read the book of the Revelation of Jesus Christ, one of the things he says to the church is, repent and do the first works again, lest I come and remove your lamp stand. Not the lamp, because the lamp is Jesus. He's forever, right? But the body of Christ is not if we don't do our thing, if we don't, if we don't reflect the light. So, and that, that happens by repenting. So we have the purpose of the light. Jesus said, hey, don't worry about it. The seed is good. The light works. <laughs> it's always going to do its thing. And, and it's, it's going to get out. Then there's the proportion principle we talked about last week. That's where, hey, what you sow, you what? Reap. Right? It's how much you put into it is how much you get out of it. And that reinforced the good soil people who said, heeding is hearing. Obeying is hearing. You haven't heard until you do. Right? It goes back to James. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Deceiving your own selves. So that's a proportionate principle. We need to take in, but we need to take in in order to work out, right? So that was the, that was the goal last week is to work out the word that is put in you. And uh, we talked about how many Christians are, are educated beyond their obedience, that, that's a scary thing. We need to be obeying. And I ask you the question, how is Jesus showing up and shining through you this week? And we had some good discussion about that in our D group. But today I want to take you to verse 26. So if you'll find your way to Mark chapter 4 and verse 26. <coughs> He's continuing here. And it appears that there were more people here. This was another larger crowd that he's talking to. And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Has he been talking about scattering seed somewhere? I thought so. So he's, he's not changing his tune or his simile, his metaphor. Um, then he goes on to say, and, verse 27, he throws the seed on the ground, and should sleep by night and rise by day, and the, sheet, the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. In other words, this farmer doesn't really have a clue how it happens. You know, he just knows that it happens. Verse 28, he, he says, For the earth yields crops by itself. First the blade, then the head, and after that the full grain in the head. But when the grain ripens, immediately he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. I'm going to stop there. We'll pick it up in 30 here in just a minute. I call this, number three, the production principle. Number three, the production principle, and that's in verses 26 to 29. In other words, it's a, it's a reiteration of the, of the main point of the parable of the soils, and that is this. The seed works. But it only works when it's in the right environment, right? And that right environment is us. How's your heart? That's soil maintenance. goes back to several sermons ago. So Jesus is reiterating this, but he's going to add some things that are quite interesting. And I, I've just outlined this um, really simply is, is, I don't know if I put this in your outline, that letter A is sowing. We saw that in verse 26. Letter B is sleeping. We see that in the first part of 27. Letter C is growing, 
27b through 28, and then letter D is reaping, verse 29. So you got sowing, sleeping, growing, and reaping. And there it is. There's your outline. So the first thing that the farmer does is he what? He throws out the seed. He sows. <laughs> That's what farmers do. They, they throw that seed out. And we see that. And he said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. Now, let me, let me hit the pause button there and remind you, you should write this down somewhere. Hopefully, we'll, we'll gain this definition, and it'll become a part of our vocabulary around here. The kingdom of God is simply this, the rule and reign of God in your everyday life. That's the kingdom. It's the rule and reign of King Jesus in your everyday life. In other words, God's the umpire. He's the one calling balls and strikes. He is, he is the Lord, kurios. Whenever you see the word kurios, it means master. He's the one calling the shots. He's the one telling us what to do and what not to do. This is the kingdom. Okay, and, and Jesus is saying, let me explain to you what the kingdom is like. It's like this seed that the farmer throws on the soil in verse 26. He scatters a seed on the ground. And then in verse 27, I love this, from the sowing we go to the sleeping. He says, and should sleep by night and rise by day. Now this is interesting. This is in a continual tense. So in other words, not just like he goes to bed and gets up. He said, this, he just, he throws a seed out there and plows it under and then he goes to sleep and then he gets up and he goes to sleep and he gets up and goes to sleep and gets up. And all of a sudden, what happens about a weekend? Sprouts, there's some green stuff popping up out of the ground. Well, that's cool. I got no idea how that happened, but it's cool. How many of you get a little impatient with things, right? I remember we did a science project about seeds. I forget what kind of seed that is that you stick in the cotton and in the water. Lima beans, which is one of my favorites, by the way. Um, but that lima bean, and it seemed like it's never going to happen. But you do it in a clear cup so you can see it. But normally, we put the seed where? In the ground. Can you see it in the ground? No. And if you really want that seed to grow, and don't miss this. This is what Jesus is trying to communicate. If the farmer really wants that seed to grow, what does he do? He goes to bed and does what? Nothing to the seed. Leave the seed alone. Keep your hands off it. Go to sleep. Wake up. And when you get up, here's what you do. Leave the seed alone. <laughs> Don't mess with it. All right? It's going to do its own thing. And then go back to bed. So they're sowing, but then in between sowing and growing is sleeping. We need, to, we need to rest. We need to trust the process. Amen? Let me just say to you parents out there today, I'm on both ends of parenting. I, just want, I wish someone would have told me this. Maybe they did, and I just didn't have ears to hear. Please listen to me. Your actions cannot save your children. Now, does that mean you should, not, you should still be a good example before them? Absolutely. Does that mean you should still take them to church? Absolutely. Does that mean you should still pray with them at night and read the Bible and disciple them at home? Absolutely. But, but parents, listen to me. You can do all of that and your children still reject the gospel. This is not a checklist. 
This is the kingdom, and it's mysterious, and nobody understands how it happens, but we can see the result that it happens. You love God, you serve God, but be very, very careful. God is a debtor to no man. What you do is not going to change your children. Only Jesus Christ can change your children. Only Christ can save your kids. You know what you need to do? Go to sleep. Stop worrying about it. Love Jesus in front of those kids. Live it out and trust God for the difference. So there's some sleeping involved there. And then there's some growing. Let her see. We see that in the last part of verse 27. He goes to bed and gets up. And the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. Isn't that the truth? It's a little bit of a, what is he saying? The kingdom of God is kind of mysterious. It's like the seed grow. We don't really know how that all happens. We just know that it happens. God is faithful. How many of you can agree with me that God is faithful today? Amen. So thankful for that. So just, we just need to chill out and trust God. Um, a couple thoughts here. Number one, we can't make the seed grow. We can only plant it. Same thing with our, our kids. You, you can't make that seed. You can't force that seed. And I'm guilty of that. I get frustrated with these kids of mine, and I get, I get angry with them. And, and I, I got this idea that my anger is going to make the seed of the Word of God grow in them. But I know better than that. Because James says, the, the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. And when I'm angry, I'm parenting out of fear. It's a fear response. And so what's my job? I got the word. I got to repent of that. I got to love that child and give them the opposite of what they deserve, which is, which is wrath and justice. And instead, give them mercy. Why? Because they need to see that's what Jesus does for us. Right? Amen. I can't make that seed grow. And even me giving them mercy isn't going to make that seed grow. Only God makes the seed grow. We don't understand how it works, but we can be confident that it works. Amen? Oh, this is good stuff. I'm preaching better than you're listening today. <laughs> so, and here, here's the other good news is that while we can't make the seed grow, we can only plant it. Growth is slow, but it will eventually grow. Isn't that true? Growth is inevitable. You put that word in the right soil, it's going to have an effect. It's going to sprout. It's mysterious. I don't know how, but it's going to. It's inevitable. Let me tell you something. This word will not return void. So why do I come to church week after week and sit under preaching from a guy like you? I know how you live. Uh, I, I've seen you make mistakes. Why am I listening to you? It's not me. It's this right here. And over the years, I've learned a couple. I had a brother. I, I, we were in Florida recently. One of my best friends, Todd, we sat down. and hadn't, hadn't talked in a long time. Hadn't been face-to-face -face in years. And he asked me the most interesting question, Tom. He's a, he's a very, very deep-thinking man, sensitive to the Holy Spirit. He said, Paul, I got a question for you. He said, what's different between Florida Paul, just starting out in ministry, and Macon Paul, who's been in ministry 37 years? What, what, what's the difference between young you and old you? I thought about it for a second. And I said, I'll tell you exactly what. I heard that. That's true. <laughs> a lot less hair. Um, Here's what I told him. I said, Todd, I'll tell you what the difference is. Young me thought very much that 
the results of the word of God that I preached depended upon me. And that if things didn't happen, it's because I didn't study long enough, pray hard enough, fast longer, whatever. the When things weren't happening, it was on me. And I, I would get in that pulpit just burdened that it was my job to change these people. I said, old Paul gets in the pulpit, and I have 100% confidence that's got nothing to do with me. That when, not if, when something happens, it's because the word of God works. My confidence is no longer in Paul, and it's completely in Christ and in the power of the word. And this dear brother in Christ got tears in his eyes. And he said, that's beautiful. What a great answer. And it's true. I'm a slow learner, but I learn. It's not me. That's why I can get up here in the darkest chapters of my life. And it's hard. I'm not going to lie. It's harder then. I can still do it. And I can preach and declare this truth to you and know, know that God is going to work it in you because it's not me. It's him. It's his word. Amen? Amen? Wow. There's a growing that happens. So there's sowing, sleeping, growing, and then eventually there's reaping in verse 29. But when the grain ripens, and it will, notice that here's his word again. Here's Mark's favorite word, immediately, <laughs> right? But when the grain ripens, immediately he puts in the sickle. That's the farmer, the worker. Because the harvest has come. It's time. There is a reaping of the harvest. Listen, the whole point of throwing that seed in the ground is so that one day the sickle will come and you will reap the fruit of a great harvest. Right? That's a, the harvesting is a happy time. Jot this down in your outline, Galatians 6, 9. You all know it. Be not weary in your well-doing, for in due season you will reap if you don't faint or quit. Amen? You don't plant a seed. Jack and I planted some cucumbers last year, cucumber seeds. You don't plant the seed in the morning and expect to reap a crop in the evening. You don't even plant today and hope and expect to reap tomorrow. You plant today and I look on that little packet, 90 days till your first picking. 90 days. That's three months. That's a long time. We got to wait three whole months watching that thing grow so ever so slowly. And then it happens. Here's a thought. I should have put this on the screen, but I didn't. I want you to hear this. Maybe you can write it down in some form. The world, this world, you're living in right now, has more winnable people than ever. But it is possible to come out of the field empty-handed. Did y'all hear that? The world you live in has more winnable people than ever. Jesus said, lift up your eyes on the harvest. It is white on the harvest. That, when those grains ahead turn white, it was getting to the tail end of when it was profitable to harvest them. If you didn't harvest them soon, they were going to rot in the stock. They were at the end. He said, look, look up, lift up your eyes. It feels white under harvest. It is so ripe. God, listen to me. 
God has so many people that he has sprinkled strategically in your life that you might live and share the gospel in front of them. You are literally, God has literally put you in the middle of a ripe field, a field of sinners who, who are ready to be harvested and become saints. And you're going to win them. But it's possible to come out of this fruit-laden field empty-handed. And I don't know, the words that ring in my mind are from the parable of the talents. Take what he has and give it to him with the ten talents and throw him outside where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Unfruitful servants do not enjoy the favor of the master. Man, he's planted us right in the middle of a harvest. We should be coming out of that field with arms full. He who goes forth weeping, bearing precious seed, will doubtless return rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. A sheaf is a whole bundle of a harvest. Who are you bringing with you? Martin Luther was spot on when he said, quote, after I preach my sermon on Sunday, I return home and just let the gospel run its course. When someone was converted, he would give them two items, a Bible and a hymnal, and he would say, quote, let them loose, and like fire they will spread on their own. He just threw out the seed and trusted the mysterious growth of the kingdom. I read recently that a, they found a seed that was buried in a jar in an Egyptian tomb. And they figured it was three to 4,000 years old. And because of the dryness of the tomb, uh, those seeds were preserved. So they, they took those seeds out and they said, well, let's see if they'll grow. Can you imagine a 4,000-year-old seed? They put it in the ground, guess what? It grew. And what it grew was amazing. Um, the quality of that 4,000-year-old seed and what it produced was, was shocking uh, to the scientists. 1 Peter 1.23 says of the seed of the Word of God, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the Word of God, which lives and abides forever. Amen? It lives and abides forever. So we let this parable be an encouragement to your heart. Um, as the great Oswald Chambers said, it's one thing to go through a crisis grandly, but a different thing to go through every day glorifying God when there is no witness, no limelight, and no one paying the remotest attention to you. Right? It's not about you. Go through life living for the glory of God every single day. So this kingdom parable reflects the perfect balance between man's responsibility and God's sovereignty. Because does a seed grow if it ain't thrown? No. Does the seed get harvested if there's no farmer to harvest it? No. But it grows mysteriously, and that growth is all on God's side. Our side is to cast it and to harvest it. Does that make sense? So how are you doing on your side of the responsibility? Because I can promise you one thing. God will never shirk his side of the responsibility. Amen? Boy, that's some good truth today. Some hard truth, but it's some good truth. All right, let me get to this last one of the parables, and that's a pro proliferation principle. And this is in verse 30 to 32, the proliferation principle. Then he said, so here's another parable, 
he's on the same vein, though. To what shall we liken the kingdom of God? In other words, what's the kingdom of God like? What is the uh, illustration I can give you? You can wrap your minds around. Because he's, he's trying to explain them the growth of the kingdom of God. Slow. It's a little bit mysterious. We don't really understand. But all of a sudden, you turn around and say, man, we're harvesting. He said, what's it like? I'll tell you what it's like. Or what shall we like in the kingdom of God? What, be, what, shall, what parable shall we picture it? Verse 31. It's like a mustard seed, which when it is sown on the ground is smaller than all the seeds on earth. But when it is sown, it grows up and becomes greater than all herbs and shoots out large branches so that the birds of the air may nest under its shade. I call that's the that's where I got my title from from micro micro to mighty. Here's a picture of a mustard seed. And I thought it was a pretty good one because you can see it pinched between the tips of someone's finger. That's a pretty small seed, isn't it? I used to work with a gal in Florida and and she struggled with her faith. Um, you know, and we all do. You get into hard times, you get your eyes on your problem and off of, off of Jesus Christ. And she came into work one day and she had a bracelet that had a little tube on it and it had three or four mustard seeds in there. I said, what's that? And she said, that's to remind me when I start getting discouraged that I just need a seed, a faith the size of a mustard seed and God does the rest. Right? It's not about the amount. It's about the potential that's in it. So that's a pretty small seed, and it grows up into a, a giant bush that's very tree-like. And birds can nest under its, under its wing, under its shade. Jot this down, Zechariah 4.10 says this, Who has despised the day of small things? We do, don't we? We despise the day of small things. We look at small things as insignificant things. I love that song. That was written years ago, little is much when God is in it, labor not for wealth and fame. There is a crown, and you can win it if you go in Jesus' name. Do we believe that today? Little is much when God is in it. We see these little kids, and think, man, they're just a pain. What are they ever going to do? Oh, be careful. Little is much when God is in them. Someone once said, I've never impacted me so much. He said, the greatest thing in your life might not be something you do, but someone you raise. Right? Little is much when God is in it. Despise not the day of small things. Within 40 years of the resurrection, just 40 now, within 40 years of the resurrection, there were churches in every major city of the Roman Empire. And may I remind you, on the day of Pentecost, you know how many faithful followers there were? They gave us a number. There was 120 in the upper room when Pentecost fell. There was only 120 people in that upper room, probably the same upper room where Jesus had communion. We think it was the house of Mary Magdalene there in Jerusalem. It's a small group of people. Forty years later, there is a church in every major city of the Roman Empire. Now, when you think church, we're not talking about buildings. There were multiple small group churches that met in homes in every major city. The entire Roman Empire was Christianized, not by a sword like Islam did it, but by the grace of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. 
And today with our abilities and technological understanding, we have identified the last few remaining people groups on earth that have been unengaged with the gospel. And we are now praying and strategically engaging them with the good news of Jesus Christ. It is nearly, we are nearly at the point that the entire world has been saturated with the gospel. Isn't that amazing? It's, it's proof of micro to mighty. That's what the kingdom is like. Trust the word. Sow the seed. Then go to sleep. Go to bed. And trust that God's going to do what he can, only he can do. One day our king is going to use us to reap that harvest for his glory. Then this last little section is we call the parable principle. And, and look at that in verse 33. And with many, this is now Mark's commentary. And with many such parables, so there were more than just that one. He spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. Don't forget, it's really interesting. He spoke the word. That's the seed. And with many other stories, he threw the seed out. But notice what he said. To them as many who were able to hear. Were there some people in that crowd that, that had ears but didn't have ears? Yep. They were the hard path people. The religious leaders who were planning Jesus' death. And no matter what, no matter how much seed Jesus threw on them, it was plucked away by the enemy. We need to be careful. Verse 34, but without a parable, he did not speak to them. And when they were alone, he explained all things to his disciples. I find that interesting too. When they were alone, Jesus explained it to the disciples. Why would he need to? They didn't have the Holy Spirit yet. Jesus was the physical representation of God on earth. The Spirit wasn't there yet. Well, now we have the Holy Spirit. We talked about that in our D group today. I love that. Brian brought it. I said, what do you do when you approach the study of God's Word? And I love, he said, you better pray first. Yeah, you better pray. Because the Holy Spirit has to unlock the Word of God or you're, you don't have any hope. Amen? The entire collection of parables is then concluded in this section, which forms a literary trope called inclusio. And you'll recognize the word inclusion in there. So that indicates the unity from Mark chapter 4 verse 1 to Mark chapter 4 verse 34, where he talks about parables and why he's using them. And Mark reminds us here that the parables were a judgment on stubborn unbelief. Parables were the public persona of Jesus the teacher. And by means of these graphic images from everyday life, Jesus teased, tantalized, and tested his audiences, inviting them to an insider experience of the kingdom and of an invitation to do life together with him. So as we wrap this section up, I want you to think back to the parable of the soils and see how the, the lamp... Um, the ability to hear the mysterious growth of the seed and the massive growth from micro to mighty of ultimately what happens when the word finds good soil. And sometimes, sometimes life and living it in the kingdom can be frustrating, amen? It, it can be disappointing. 
when we see our people making sinful choices. Sometimes we look at our efforts and we see very little fruit. It can get discouraging. We shine the light of the gospel. We sow, we throw that seed out of the word. It just doesn't seem like anything's happening. It almost seems futile. Why, why even bother? And I'll tell you what, as I thought back to my friend's question, what's the difference between young Pastor Paul and old Pastor Paul? That's the only reason I'm still here. You know why I don't get discouraged when there's more blue empty chairs than chairs that people are sitting in this morning? Because I know what this word does. And I know that in God's time and as he, as he is slowly growing every one of us, we're going to find our voices. We're going to start scattering seed. And the harvest is going to come. And it might not look like full auditorium. It might look like full people who look more like Jesus at the end of their life than at the beginning. And isn't that what the kingdom is about? I'll give you a couple examples in closing today. It's one of my favorite, two of my favorite missionaries. The first guy on the screen is a guy named William Carey. He's the father of the modern missionary movement. He served at God and labored and cast out gospel seed in India for seven years before seeing his first Indian convert to Christianity. Can you imagine that? Most missionary boards today would fire him. He shared the gospel faithfully in India for more than 40 years. But the fruit of his labor was, in his lifetime, was actually very minimal. At the end of Carrie's life, you could look at his life and say, boy, what a failure, and did we, we must have missed the, the Holy Spirit by supporting that guy. Still, he could say in the midst of all of it, here's what Carrie said, the future is as bright as the promises of God. Expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. And it was only after his death that those seeds, those gospel seeds he planted exploded into a harvest. of the kingdom and expansion of the kingdom of God there in India. The other guy my wife's a big fan of. She's read so much of, so many of his uh, and his wife's um, books that have been written about them is a guy named Adoniram Judson who lived from 1788 to 1850. He's the father of the American Baptist missions and he labored in Burma for seven years before seeing his first convert. Again, does that sound, sound familiar? He would bury two wives a number of children and died disappointed in it with his labors for the gospel that yielded so little fruit. Yet like Carrie, he was faithful to the end and he could voice these words, in spite of sorrow, loss, and pain, our course be onward still. We sow on Burma's barren plain. We reap on Zion's hill. And reap he did. Reap he did because he understood you can see his words up there. There is no success without sacrifice. And boy, that man do it. If you succeed without sacrifice, it's because someone has suffered before you. If you sacrifice without success, it is because someone 
will succeed after. Wow! We have proof. And boy, was God faithful. Again, after his death, the gospel explodes in Burma. I can't help but believe these men, as well as many others, were inspired to press on and stay in the fight by a little lamp, a bunch of seeds, and one small mustard seed. Don't be weary in your well-doing. By the way, there you need to think sowing. Don't be weary in your sowing, because when the time is right, you will reap if you don't quit sowing. Amen? This is the Word of God for us today. So where are you in this continuum? What is the Spirit saying to you? How are you doing with your sowing? And what's the reaping looking like? How are you different? Are you, allowed, are you working out the word that God is working in? Those are fair questions to ask, aren't they? And I pray that God will apply that truth to our hearts today. Would you pray with me? Father God, we come to you today thanking you for your word. Thanking you for the, this idea of kingdom expansion. Your part in it and ours. Our responsibility and your sovereignty so clearly and beautifully laid out by Jesus in a parable of seeds, and, seeds, soil, and lamps. May we take it to heart. May some of us who are anxious learn to trust. May some of us who are apathetic learn to engage. May you give us repentance where it is called for faith where there is discouragement and hope where hope is lacking. May you do it for the glory of King Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Let me get the musicians to come up. We're going to sing uh, one of my favorites in closing today before the doxology and it's called Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Really that's the answer, isn't it? Don't forget the kingdom gospel. Repent, believe, and follow Jesus. Have you done and are you doing that on a daily basis? Would you stand with me?